So he's going to get at-bats. He's going to get at-bats. And if as long as he's getting at-bats and that's not going to be threatened anytime in the near future, uh, I, I say, you know, play him. Yeah, you know, the price is a little concerning for me, like you said, for an eight or nine hole hitter, because um, the RBIs are just a little lacking. But you're still getting runs. Um, obviously, you're getting hits. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to spend on him, but in uh, season long, like you said, he's going to be an everyday player. He's going to put up enough numbers. He's going to help you. Still only owned in like 89% of leagues. So, I mean, there is a chance you can go out there and get him or offer up a nice trade package for him. Some people might not know what they're sitting on. On the other end of the spectrum, and I honestly didn't think I'd ever be saying this sentence, but my boy Mike Stanton, Giancarlo, has struck out 17 of his last 21 at-bats after Sunday. Um, ass. Like, Jesus, that's terrible. Um, I watched a few clips, and he seems to be just swinging for all power. Like, no sort of average contact whatsoever. Um, but this, this is concerning, you know, from a, a fan perspective, because this is a dude that's always hit the ball pretty well, consistently. Um season long because you draft really hot shitting the bed right now and DFS because he's still priced, you know, within the top five, even top three outfielders most days. And he's, he's not producing in the top 30. Yeah. It's hard because especially in DFS, because I've fallen victim to Stanton, you know, the last, you know, couple of weekends where I'm like, okay, looking at Stanton, I'm like, he has to break out eventually. This guy is way too talented. And when he breaks out, you know, it's going to be one of those, three home run games where, you know, he's just going to win lo- win lots of money for whoever starts him. Uh, but you're right, you know, he's still incredibly priced, way, way, way too high. Obviously, you know, he has that kind of power. He has that ability to where he can hit three home runs in one game. So that's probably why the price has not budged whatsoever. Um, you know, obviously in season long, I would send out some trade feelers. Uh, you know, you could probably get in – I wouldn't say, you know, cheap uh, <clears throat> by any means, you know, whoever you're going to send some trade offer to, you know, obviously they're going to be thinking that, you know, obviously Giancarlo Stanton isn't this bad. Uh, we've seen him struggle before where early in the season he's had these struggles, but he's going to heat up eventually. You know, his his numbers historically shows that he's just way too good of a hitter to not produce especially in the home run category. Right now, I guess, you know, obviously you can put him on your bench in your season longs, but for the most part, if you have Giancarlo Stanton, you're probably just riding him out because you're probably not going to get what you paid for him, uh, considering, yeah, he was probably a first-rounder in many, many leagues. Uh, So far, it looks like the surrounding cast in Miami is kind of holding it together. Hopefully Barry Bonds can get and Carlos Stanton going here soon because you're right, you know, it, it's getting pretty ugly. Uh, and if he's swinging for just power and there's no, you know, attempt at trying to hit the baseball, um, you know, if you own him in season long, yeah, it might be time to be a little bit worried, especially if we're looking at, you know, a month from now and nothing's changed. Yeah, and I think you're totally right with season long. You know, you, you kind of just have to sit on him unless you get a decent trade offer. Um, with DFS, I, I'm just not going to take the chance. I don't care how awesome the matchup is, how mobile it is, uh, what park it's in, what it is. I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Until dude produces regularly for a few games, like, I'm just going to steer clear. I don't, you know, you can get better value at that price. Look at Dexter Fowler. He's been arguably, like, the, the best uh, day-to-day DFS outfielder this season. 
still priced outside the top five daily. I mean, great value right there. I would rather grab him. And that's just off the top of my head. Um, switching aside from fantasy for a second, because this was like, this made my week last week. Uh, the Batista Odor brawl. You know, I get it. Joey Bats is known for sliding in dirty. I mean, he's the one that broke Chase Utley's leg, right? And that's the reason we have, like, these stupid new rules. Um, he slid in dirty, pissed Odor off. I get that. My problem is, is, like, he didn't even touch Odor. Odor just, like, lifted his leg and olayed him. Like, there's no reason to sock a guy in the jaw as he did for literally not even touching you. That's like the equivalent of some dude like blowing on your ear in the bar and you knocking him out cold. Like, yeah, it's weird and annoying. Just shove him at the most. I just like I was I was appalled at his reaction, but at the same time, like, oh, I hate Joey Bats. He's such a douche. Like, it was kind of cool getting like seeing him get decked like that. And then like my favorite part of the whole brawl that like I don't know if many people noticed, but all of a sudden out of nowhere, you just see Josh Donaldson come shooting in like a bat out of hell. From the left side of the screen, he just spears the motherfucker up in the like top right corner, and like just like that was by far even cooler than the hit, and no one even paid attention to that. Like nobody even got in trouble for that part. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, not really. Like I shouldn't be condoning fighting, but whatever. I mean, uh, you know, the Cincinnati Reds and the St. Louis Cards got into it, you know, a few years back, and uh, as much as people want to say, you know, oh, stuff has no place in baseball. You know, sometimes shit like that happens. Uh, you know, emotions flare. You know, it, it's it's a pretty emotional game. Uh, I don't know if I agree with you and, you know, my hatred of Joey Bats. I mean, he does follow me on Twitter. Uh, so, I mean, uh, he's, me he's cool. <laughs> I mean, he's cool for that reason alone. I mean, how many stars can you say, you know, actually follow you? But, at the same time, he follows everybody, follows all our all those fantasy guys because we all love him because he hits home runs. And it's been pretty interesting since that fight. Uh, you know, it looks like, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays shifted the lineup. Joey Bats has been batting leadoff, uh, you know, most games here recently. And he's kind of gone on a mini tear since getting punched in the face. So maybe it takes a little bit of, uh, you know, going out there, getting punched in the face and becoming a meme on the Internet uh, to kind of inspire your game. And uh, he, he's been on fire, so I guess uh, Joey Bats owners probably should be thanking Odor for uh, kind of lighting a fire under his ass. That's, that's a good way to look at it. You know, speaking of memes, too, my favorite one was the, like, sports store display in Texas that had, like, the Odor shirt standing up and the the Batista shirt around. Like, I lost my shit when I saw that. I thought, like, very creative, uh, you know, sports store clerk going with that display. Um, Freddie Gonzalez, you know, this is old news at this point, got got fired by the Braves. But did, did you hear about how he found out? Um, you know, he was hanging on his phone after the game, and he got he got a notification about a flight schedule change and, like, different tickets uh, back to Miami, like, a day sooner, or, uh, excuse me, Atlanta, like, a day sooner than he was supposed to. You know, I get that, like, the Internet and Twitter and things like that can make it, you know, news almost instantaneous. But shouldn't someone in the organization have taken it upon themselves to be like, okay, guys, we should tell him first and then book his flight? Like, there there was a really big just misstep of oversight there. And I just feel like that's a dick move. You know, this is a guy that you pegged as the successor to Bobby Cox. And sure, it didn't work out, but... I mean, he really gave his all to this team that the, you know, front office decided to blow everything up. Like, he can't really do anything with that. He was working with what he had left. I feel like they just really disrespected him by not 
being smart enough to talk to him first and then take care of the logistics side of it. Well, I mean, it's kind of a two a two sided coin uh, with Freddie Gonzalez. Uh, the situation, if history serves me correctly, uh, the situation down there in Miami when he was the manager for the Marlins for quite a quite a spiel. Uh, he the relationship got to a point where it got sour, and you know, Freddie handled handled himself kind of you know in, in a manner where you know. I guess people on the outside looking in would say, you know, it was a bit childish. Uh, but at the same time, Marlins didn't really do themselves justice in that situation either. Uh, and now you get the situation with the Atlanta Braves, and you're right. You know, he was pegged as the successor to Bobby Cox. And, you know, Bobby Cox spoke highly of Freddie Gonzalez. So, you know, if anything, you know, the situation's kind of like, you know, disrespecting Bobby Cox in a way where, you know, Bobby Cox was the manager, a legendary manager for the Braves, for so many years, and then, you know, you bring in a guy who you're trying to create that same stability, and then you blow up the team the way that you have the last three or four years, I I don't know how you can't give this guy, you know, some kind of a, you know, a fairer shake. I mean, shit, I mean, Brian Price is still the manager for the fucking Reds, so I don't understand how Freddie Gonzalez can get <laughs> fucking fired because, you know, I'd rather have Freddie Gonzalez for all, you know, intents of purposes than Brian Price any day of the fucking week. So, you know, sometimes this happens, you know, it's cruel in the sports world where, you know, some good coaches uh, get let go for, you know, questionable reasons. And uh, you find yourself wondering what did they do wrong? And, and you know, it, hopefully Freddie Gonzalez will get himself back you know, in, into a manager spot somewhere because, like I said, you know, I, I, I like him. I, and like you said, you know, he really kind of didn't get that fair of a deal because of the fact that, you know, the front office has decided to uh, kind of play for the future, uh, you know, kind of five years down the road now and in, in re- rebuilding this Atlanta Braves team from the bottom up. Absolutely. Um, did you see Brad Austin's little meltdown? Uh, I caught, you know, the replay of it, and this is a guy who has been on the hot seat. Was like in this game was actually possibly rumored to be fired at the end of this game, um, and then he he like melted down spectacularly at one point, taking off his hoodie and like laying over at home plate. Got suspended one game for you know losing his damn mind, I guess. But I just I'm always amused. Speaking of Bobby Cox, you know, I, I I'm always amused when managers kind of you know take it over the top when they're arguing, but I I was just confused. I still don't, like, I get he was saying something about you can't see the plate, blah, 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 but, like, it would just prove your point and go away. Like, why why leave your hoodie on home plate and make somebody else have to, like, come and pick it up? It was just, it was the weirdest thing I've seen since that that coach that, like, crawled to the mound and was, like, throwing the rosin bag like grenades. Like, sometimes I just don't get that what is going on in these guys' brains and they freak out that badly. Yeah, I don't know what's going on either, but I love the emotion. I I think it's one of those uh, those pastime things with baseball where you, you want to see the manager show that emotion and go out there and explode. I mean, that was one of the knocks towards Dusty when he was here in Cincinnati, and I'm not sure if he's doing the same thing with the Washington Nationals where, you know, you want to see your manager fight for your players and, and go out there and, and show that kind of emotion. So, to show the players that, you know, hey, I'm behind you. If, you know, the call was ridiculous, uh, I'll go out there and fight for you. So it's nice to see at the same time, you know, it's kind of a, 
you're an old man, let's not act like children out here in public <laughs> uh, kind of thing. But, you know, to each its own. It's it's baseball. you got to love it for that reason. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I'm glad you touched on that too because it's, it's kind of like the fights. People say, oh, there's no place in it. But I'm a firm believer in a manager lighting a fire under his guys, so to speak. Um, and even like you said, you know, it's great to know a manager has your back. But I, I, I take it a step further. I love the manager that knows when his team is struggling and will go out there and and just argue for the sake of arguing just to get his guys riled up and fired up. Um, we saw that a ton with the old school coaches, and we don't really see it anymore, you know. Uh, the the PC police have turned everyone to that nobody wants to fight. So it's kind of cool when it does happen. Um you know, so it's and it kind of did light a fire under the Tigers' asses. You know, they played a little better. He still has a job, so it, it must have worked somehow. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates re-signed, well, not re-signed, uh, signed Francisco Cervelli to a three-year extension. Uh, $31 million, man. Like, nothing against Cervelli, but the catcher position is really starting to become a premium when homeboy can get a little over $10 million a year for three years. Um when he, I mean, he's not that great of a catcher. Like, sure, fantasy-wise, like, he can hit lead off. Like, I mean, he's good. But is, is, is he that great, like, wear-wise, war-wise, that he's worth that much? Like, I don't know. I guess I don't see the value in this deal. Well, he actually catches a pretty good game. I think since Cervelli's been there, uh, the Pirates pitchers have had a pretty decent ERA as a team. I mean, you've seen... Uh, guys like J.A. Happ, you know, go out there and pitch brilliantly. brilliantly. Uh, there's been a resurgence in, you know, kind of Liriano's career since he's been there in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, kind of middle-of-the-road guys, you know, the Mortons, the the Locks, uh, you know, and uh, Cole is, the, you know, kind of, the, I guess, the exception to the rule here where, you know, Cole has, you know, the talent, the stuff to kind of, you know, go out there and do whatever he needs to do on his own. So, uh, you know, I, I, like you said, you know, the catcher position has become actually uh, quite the premium uh, if you can catch a good game. Uh, if you lower, you know, your team's ERA considerably, uh, you know, obviously baseball is one of the more analytic sports there is out there. And I'm sure they've dove into the numbers and saw that, you know, hey, you know, Sarah Milley's worth is, you know, kind of Buster Posey-esque when it comes to, you know, defensively and, you know, being able to uh, catch quality game for all the pitchers on the staff. So uh, as much as I don't like talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, I I think it's a pretty solid deal. You know, it's a solid investment on a guy that can, you know, handle uh, some of these guys coming in because, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates are notorious for having, you know, one or two good pitchers, uh, maybe even great pitchers, and then the rest of them being, you know, kind of uh, shit bags. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, I guess I, I didn't look too much at his defensive look, but you, you do make a good point with the pitchers. I mean, that's obvious to see um, how well they've kind of thrown a slapstick rotation together there. Um, this is something interesting I just wanted to touch on. Um, I was having a conversation with some people on Twitter about this, other day, and I was getting really angry, and I didn't want to do the whole mad online thing, so I just backed away, but... You know, we talk about Bryce Harper, we talk about Mike Trout as, like, players in the game, mostly because they're really, really young, they're winning awards, you know, they're, they're playing at a 30-year-old Miggy level when they're, you know, 20 years old. Um, I've seen people start to include Manny Machado now in that situation, or in that conversation, which I'm fine with, you know, he fits the same profile, young, heralded talent. 
Uh, but my only problem with this is the, the one person that is arguably just as good or better than all these guys is Josh Donaldson. And I don't know if it's because he was, what, like a 28-year-old rookie. I don't know if it's because he really hit his stride when he was already like 30-31 and he's not going to uh, win all of those career milestones like these guys probably will. But I just don't get why everyone is so against including Josh Donaldson in the conversation for best player in the Major League Baseball, at least top three. Uh, defensively, I would argue he's better than Machado at third base. Um, offensively, he's a machine, reigning AL MVP. Uh, I, I don't know how you feel about this. I, I just don't understand why Josh Donaldson isn't in this conversation more because I really feel like he's deserving of it. Well, I think it's the age thing. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, when you're, you know, 30, 31 and, you know, finally hitting your stride, uh, you know, the in baseball, it's not it's not too much longer to where, you know, the wheels are going to fall off. I mean, I mean, we've been waiting for the wheels to fall off on Joey Batista for the last, you know, eight, nine years. So I think it's it's possible Josh Donaldson can be, you know, kind of that Joey Bats 2.0 for the Tampa Bay or the Toronto Blue Jays. But at the same time, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's the thing where, you know, we watch Trout and Harper, you know, have these I, – I think I think with the, those two more than, you know, Machado and a, a lot of these other young guys, it, I think it's the, the hype with the two of them, them coming up the same day, um, you know, both of them winning MVPs, uh, their age. I, I think all of that added together, I, I think that's why you see – Bryce Harper and Mike Trout get more of the clout when it comes to, you know, the future of baseball as opposed to, you know, a guy in Josh Donaldson who I agree with you completely. I think he's probably, you know, top five baseball player for sure in MLB right now. Um, you know, probably throw, you know, Nolan Arenado in the mix uh, and I don't know who else. But off the top of my head, you know, Josh Donaldson for me, is one of the best players in baseball. I agree with you completely. Um, I, I just think that, you know, when you look at the Blue Jays, it's hard to, you know, get excited about Canada, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. To go from the A's to the Blue Jays, it's hard to get good press with those two teams. Um, seeing a dude's a little over the hill, uh, my dude, the freak, Timmy Lincecum, signed with the Angels of all teams, which I'm not too excited about. The trader tweets were fun, of course. Um do I see any fantasy value here yet? You know, I'm not scrambling to pick him up, especially with as garbage as that rotation has been. Um, but keep an eye on him. You know, he could, especially if he falls more into a reliever role, uh, I, I would be more apt to pick him up in season long. But if he has a couple good outings as a starter and you're desperate enough, he might be worth a pick up. I mean, this is a two-time, what, Cy Young Award winner, two no-hitters. Uh We've seen him. He was one of the greatest pitchers ever. He's not that old, so I I, I don't know. What, what do you see for value here? I I'm with you. I agree completely. I think Tim Lincecum uh, probably still had something in the tank. Obviously, they wouldn't give him you know some kind of a contract if they didn't see something that they liked. Uh, you know, I'm with you as well. Where it's like, oh yeah, now he's playing for the Angels. Uh, of course, you know, uh, I don't think he could play for anywhere else. You know, besides staying in the state of California, I think that's just where Tim Lincecum belongs. But at the same time, the the stuff, you know, I need to see it. I need to see, you know, at least if he's going to be a starter, I need to see, you know, five to six strikeouts per game. 
Um, you know, if he's a reliever, I think that would be probably the more intriguing option if he was thrown into a reliever role. Uh, say he was, you know, a setup guy or, you know, uh, even, you know, maybe like a seventh inning guy, but he was getting, you know, a lot of work, uh, say, appearing, you know, three three to four times a week. I I like him, you know, probably better as a reliever if he was ever to become a reliever. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, Tim Lincecum could probably pull off, you know, the kind of the John Smoltzy role. Uh, if you know if they wanted to get really really creative with it, uh, the Angels are just kind of grasping at straws at this point. Uh, but at the same time, they're not completely out of it. So I I would imagine they made the move, uh, kind of seeing that you know maybe we can make a run at this thing come summer. If you know we're at three games out, maybe you know Tim Lincecum you know factors into the plan you know kind of long term the rest of the year. So. If you need pitching help, I'm with you. You know, go ahead and go out, go out there, throw a flyer, and, and see what happens. I wouldn't go out and start him right away if he was a starter. Let's see how the first two starts go before we uh, go going crazy and, you know, throwing him into our lineups, folks. And so perfect segue into injuries. Um, Joe Nathan, kind of out of nowhere, the Cubs signed him. Um, immediately throw him on the 60-day DL because he's still battling whatever – elbow shoulder issue it was this time uh i guess my thing is why you know why not go after lincecum why not pick up somebody off the waiver wire like why sign joe nathan who hasn't pitched in a while who's still injured like what value does he offer if they can't get him healthy and in games by august he's useless to them in the playoffs so i don't i just don't understand this at all I don't know. Maybe uh, they know something that we don't. I, I've not really been a fan of Joe Nathan um, throughout his career. I guess he was okay when he was with the Twins, but, you know, his days when he was with the Tigers and, and all the other clubs. Um, the depreciation the, the on that arm, it's just, I don't know. I mean, baseball is such a weird sport where, you know, you got Bartolo Colon, you know, 42 years old, still out here <laughs> doing his thuck dizzle. So, you know, some some arms, you know, some people just know how to pitch, and, you know, you'd rather have a guy that know how to pitch somewhat than a guy that can't pitch at all, uh, you know, coming up from, like, double-A ball. So I guess it's just kind of a roster thing. I mean, you got a 60-man roster, you know, when you look at it, you know, in a broad scope. So adding them to it, you know, it's just kind of, a, I guess, an extra option they can go to if he finds himself to be healthy in time. One pitch I want to talk about as far as injuries is uh, I think you Darvish is returning soon. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people, you know, don't want to talk about or I guess kind of forget that you Darvish, you know, it was only two or three years ago where he was, you know, top five pitcher in the AL. Obviously injuries have uh, kind of derailed the progress uh, that we wanted to see out of him. What do you think about his chances when he returns? Do you think that we see you, Darvish, kind of return to that form? Uh, or do you think that, you know, it's fool's gold and the fact that, you know, you, Darvish, may not ever be you, Darvish, ever again? Well, you know, it, it was Tommy John, right? So, like, I, I, I worry any time we're encountering Tommy John surgery. But, I mean, this is a guy that was an established – talented veteran in Japan before he came over, dominant from the second he stepped on the scene, you know, almost no adjustment period. 
Um, and I think, you know, this is a good division in a year to have to ease back into things. 90% of the A's roster is injured. The A's are hot garbage. Um, really, uh, Houston is even hotter garbage. Really, the only decent team right now is Seattle. Um, so, it, you know, if he can get some divisional matchups under his belt, uh, he could hit his stride by late August. Um, you know, I highly doubt we're going to see 200 strikeouts just because, you know, it's almost June already. But I think he'll get close. Um, we might see the velocity down a little bit, but he's a command pitcher with really good movement. It's I'm excited. Um, from a fantasy perspective, you know, I'm going to wait and see. Um, if it's season long and I have an, a, a roster spot I can spare, I might pick him up now just because I'm confident he'll get back into the swing of things quickly. Um, but if you have to give up anyone you're counting on right now to squeeze him in here for this week's start, you know, I I don't know, man. I'm probably going to take a flyer at least for this week um, and see, you know, take my chances next week. I'm all in. Uh, unfortunately, I'm all in for a different reason. I guess we could talk about it on the show since this is a fantasy baseball show. Uh, if you guys don't know, I'm in a fantasy sports writers association league. Uh, it's pretty, I, I wouldn't say it's like the best of the best, but, you know, there are some pretty good writers who, you know, get involved in these leagues and, you know, we battle out throughout the season and I'm in a tough league. You know, I got Mark Kaplan uh, in the league. I got Michael Rathburn uh, in the league as well, uh, along with, a, you know, a few other guys that are, you know, pretty well-known in the fantasy baseball industry. And I had to make a trade. I need pitching. I need pitching so bad. My offense is, is kind of at a point, you know, I'm, I'm first in on-base percentage. I'm first in home runs. I'm first in runs. Um, so offensively, I'm like, okay, I'm in a really good spot. Uh, but my pitching is just atrocious. So I'm sitting in, like, ninth, tenth place. Uh, but with my offense being so good, I'm like, okay, I can make a move now, get some quality pitching, and then see where I'm at, you know, with my ERA and my ratios come July, August. Um, you know what I mean? Then, then you know, I, I might have a shot at this. You know, obviously, uh, I had to trade, and uh, it, it pained me to trade Nolan Arenado away, but. I, I needed the pitching, so I traded Nolan Arenado away for Stephen Matz and Yu Darvish. Um, you know, just considering, you know, I'm I'm ahead. I got a comfortable lead in those categories where, you know, Arenado. Yeah, the contributions he's already made, the 14, 15 home runs, the uh, you know, 400 on base percentage so far. I think I'll just lock that in ride that out the rest of the year. And then uh, I picked up Justin Turner and uh, Tyler Goodell as kind of, you know, kind of two guys I can throw in and out of the third base spot if I need to. Uh, but right now, yeah, I'm just I'm all in on this pitching thing. I'm trying to get some pitching, some quality pitching. I'm now trying to work a deal. I got St- Stephen Wright from somebody. Uh, I got uh, James Shields uh, as well, which I wasn't too happy about. But, I mean, I'll still get strikeouts from the guy. Uh, so I'm looking forward to you, Darvis, long story short. Uh, hopefully he can return to his form. Uh, even if he doesn't, I still, like you said, you know, he still should probably be good for 160, 170 strikeouts, which I'll take on my team right now, especially uh, considering I traded, you know, probably one of the best players in baseball off of my team uh, to somebody, you know, kind of, uh, I, I guess, you know, he got me by the balls there just because of the fact that I needed pitching so bad. 
uh, and I was willing to pay any kind of price for any kind of decent pitching. And I don't know, just getting those situations where I was just like, I don't want to go back and forth, back and forth, you know. Yeah, you want to try and trade rate me, uh, go ahead, you know. I hope <laughs> Nolan Arenado, knock on wood, knock on wood, I don't mean it, but I hope Nolan Arenado gets hurt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, speaking so back to the A's being a total shit show of injuries. Um, Chris Davis, who was actually just starting to turn things around after turning things around and then falling bad again. So I mean, he's just like a roller coaster this season. Um, left Saturday's game with forearm tightness, day to day. Didn't play Sunday. Something to keep an eye on if you actually still have to, you know, roster that poor bastard. Um, Sonny Gray officially on the DL with a trapezius strain. I'm pretty sure that's one of those things they just make up when they need a reason to put you on the DL because you're sucking. Um, I'm pissed about this for a number of selfish reasons. The A's are finally coming back to Wisconsin for the first time in three years. I was I have already purchased tickets to see Sonny Gray pitch, and now he might not be there in time or the rotation's going to be messed up and I won't get to see him. And it's only a two-game series, so I'm going to be so mad if he's not there. But, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, this sucks. You know, he was one of the top five, six pitchers drafted. Um, he's been kind of ass all season, and then now to go on the DL, that's, it's a big blow. It's a really big blow. Um, on the flip side of things, Johnny Peralta with the St. Louis Cardinals sent out on Class A rehab assignment on Friday. Um, they're shooting for the end of the month, beginning of June, for his official return. So um, that's good for fantasy owners that have been looking out for him. You know, I've never been a big Johnny Peralta fan fantasy-wise, but I think in daily there's a lot of value for him. Um, especially if they platoon him a lot for now. I don't know what I'm going to do season-wise there yet. Um, Kettle Marte, who was actually just starting to kind of heat things up, went on the DL on Saturday with a thumb sprain. Uh, Lucas Duda, I just found out earlier today, I had to change the notes, um, is out six to eight weeks with a stress fracture. Um, Duda's kind of banked for me lately in DFS, so that kind of sucks. Another another one that really, really sucks is Kevin Kiramir. Um from the Rays, dude was on a tear, and now he left hand fracture, 15 DL at least. I mean, we're looking, we're looking at a, he's going to be out a while. Um, there's some decent replacements there that we're going to talk about in a little bit, but that one really, really hurt me because that's a guy. This is an outfielder that you know was top teen ish, like just barely breaking into the top 15 cost wise on DraftKings. Um, huge, huge value. I, I had him in almost every lineup for like a week straight, so that one really hurt me. Uh, a guy we talked about before the show that they won't get to hear, but it was a pretty funny interaction. Um, Josh Hamilton, all of 2016 officially. So the 8.2% of you on ESPN that are somehow still drafting him, wake up, or rostering him, excuse me, like wake the fuck up and drop him already. Uh, The Tigers got really good news on Miggy and Jordan Zimmerman. Both are expected to just be out for a little bit. bit. Miggy is day-to-day to to BP. He'll probably be back in the lineup tomorrow. Zimmerman's going to miss at most one game with that groin strain. Christian Yelich has been uh, scratched. Another guy you talked about earlier, uh, not by name, but um, this really hurts Miami if he does have to go on the DL. Uh, Back spasm, Saturday and Sunday out of the lineup, day-to-day. I don't know if he's playing tonight, but that's something to keep an eye on. And then finally, uh, an injury that looks pretty bad last week, Jason Hayward um, on that awesome diving catch. Dude looked like he was in so much pain when he was, like, gripping his ribs, you know, literally screaming. Uh, turns out it's just like a really bad bruise. He was already running around and playing catch today. Could be back by midweek. I don't know if I'm going to play him at all this week just because rib injuries linger, man, and trying to swing a bat with a rib injury has got to be hell. 
So until I can see some performance and some production, you know, I'm going to avoid him in daily lineups. If you drafted Jason Hayward, you probably got to play him if he's not on the DL, to be honest, in season long. But that's a different story. Yeah, those injuries are all very, very – the Kevin one, though, that hurts me too. Uh, I can't come find out that I actually have Kevin Karamir shares all over the place. Uh, and so seeing that DL 15 next to his name uh, – was definitely very, very painful to see today. Uh, come find out, uh, I think the news is that he's going to be out six to eight weeks with a broken bone uh, in his arm. So uh, that's definitely a huge hit to uh, fantasy owners out there. As you're right, he was definitely coming into his groove uh, here now that we're about to turn the calendars to June. Uh, another guy who I would say he's injured, uh, and they should just probably just shut him down for a while. But Matt Harvey is absolutely yeah. just sucking ass, so much ass. Uh, I think they've skipped his turn in the rotation, uh, and, and he's dealing with an undisclosed injury uh, kind of right now. But uh, something obviously has got to be up with this guy because uh, just something's just not right. The control's not there. He's walking way too many guys. He's not striking out any guys whatsoever. Uh, if you drafted Matt Harvey, uh, I'm sorry. You drafted the wrong Mets pitcher. I apologize. Yeah, you know, and I've been saying that for a while. It's got, there's, there's a command issue. There's, there's something going on there. It would be in the Mets' best interest to shut him down for a little while, you know, figure out what the problem is, get him rehabbed up. And really, at worst, if two weeks without him, he's only going to miss two, maybe three starts. That's not that big of a deal if you could save your ace for later in the season when you really need him. You know, thankfully for them, Thor has kind of stepped in and taken over as the de facto ace. But they're they're counting on having Matt Harvey too. Um, switching sides now to look at some waiver wire guys. Uh, we just talked about Kevin Caramere and how fucked we are that he's injured. Um, some actual really really good options out there on the waiver wire this week to replace him with though. Uh, his teammate, Brandon Geyer, only owned in 4.6% of leagues as of this morning. He started 11 of the last 12 games. He's hit safely in nine of them. And really, really good even splits between lefties and righties. So this guy's going to be an everyday starter, not so much a platoon player. Um, I love that ad. I mean, that's pretty much like a free ad in almost any league because I don't think many people are focused on him right now. Um, Clay Thompson, Golden State Warriors shooting guard's brother, Trace Thompson, for the Dodgers, um, this dude's been a fire, dude. Seven home runs and 89 at-bats. Um, seven straight starts counting Sunday. Three home runs and five RBIs in those games. He's only owned in 10% of leagues. Um, really, really good value in DFS as well. I love Trace. Um, and Cameron Maben from Detroit, coming back from that injury, only owned in 25% of leagues. I really think this is the last week you'll be able to get him. Next week, we're probably looking at 70 to 80% ownership if I'm right. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be right, to be honest. Um, Six-game hitting streak since he's been activated. Uh, I get that it's a small sample, but he's raking. six. Uh, he's hitting 647 with five runs and four stolen bases. He's really, really good at getting on base. Going to be really good for those stolen base and runs numbers, especially with that Detroit lineup. Um, Steve Pierce, the other really good uh, replacement for Karamir. Uh, 32% owned, has first base and outfield eligibility on almost every site, at least ESPN and Yahoo. Um, another six-game hitting streak here. He's hit safely in eight of his last ten games. 13 for 35 over that span with four home runs and nine RBIs. Dude's raking. And then a guy we talk about every week, and it's like people aren't listening. Jonathan VR, man. Still only 49% owned. 
Um, he's hit safely in 11 of his last 13 games now, including against the Mets Aces earlier this week, early la- or late last week, Jesus. Um, 18 for 53 over that span uh, with four BIs and six stolen bases. Uh, this is a guy that everybody has written off because of how bad he was at the Astros, but he's killing it right now. Go out there and pick him up. Seriously, people. And then my dude, Daddy Valencia with the A's. Um, really wanted to talk about him last week, too, because he was only 20% owned. Uh, unfortunately, he's all the way up to 62% now, but that's still, you know, 38% of leagues. You can go out there. It's got to be some of you that are listening. Um, hit safely in eight of his last 11 games now. 14 for 37, five home runs, and 12 RBIs in that span. Um, lots and lots of talent on the waiver wire this week, man. Yeah, I, uh, of those guys, I probably like the Villar pickup the most. I mean, shortstop is a position where you're you're constantly trying to find some kind of value. And you're right, you know, we brought up Villar's name probably the last three or four podcasts as uh, a guy that you guys could go out there and go get, get some cheap speed. Uh, Geyer, I'm not too sold on being, you know, kind of the long-term replacement. Obviously, right now, if he's getting the playing time and he's hot. Uh, but the bottom drops out pretty quickly for a guy like Geyer. Uh, he's a career, like, 260 hitter. Uh, he barely hits, you know, 10 bombs in a year. I think he had eight bombs last year. So uh, as long as he's hitting and he's getting the playing time, sure, go out there and go grab him. Love the Trace Thompson. Cameron Maben, I think you're exactly right about that. I mean, I've been tracking Cameron Maben for the last couple of weeks now, and from what he's doing, I mean, yeah, his spot in the order, you would like to see Cameron Maben bat atop the order like he used to with the Padres. Uh, Right now he's finding himself batting six, batting seventh in the lineup, which isn't bad when you think about the Detroit Tigers lineup as a whole. Uh, But at the same time, you're exactly right. I mean, he's one of the hottest baseball players in the game right now batting over 600 uh is as long as he's playing and it looks like he's going to get the playing time because since he's been activated i don't think he has missed the start uh so if he's out there on your waiver wire folks i i think you're exactly right uh with him being only 25 percent on uh by the time that we're having this conversation next week he should be around the 70 percent marker absolutely and two two guys right off the bat to drop and pick up Really, any of these outfielders, but definitely Cameron Mabin. Uh, Angel Pagan, he, he's battling a hamstring injury, so you know that like it plays into it, but hitless in five of the last eight games, only four hits in that time frame. The Giants aren't hitting so well as a team right now. Um, uh, drop him. Pick, pick up Cameron Mabin, dude. Seriously, even when he regresses, he's still going to be playing better. And then Ben Revere, especially, people are really holding on here. And yes, I know he finally had a really good game on Sunday, but coming in, 10 for 54, Caught stealing on his only two stealing attempts. He's owned in half the leagues. Like, drop him and pick up Cameron Mabin instead. Um, and then Sean Tolleson, the former now closer from Texas, um, officially relieved of his duties this week. In his last three save attempts, eight earned runs with a 9.2 ERA and a whip just under two. I mean, that's not going to get done from a closer standpoint, so I can see why they pulled him. But um, he only had, like, a 3% drop-off in ownership after he was pulled from his duties. And there's a lot better closers out there on the wire or, or just even, you know, setup guys that are putting up better numbers. Drop this dude off your team while he, so he stops hurting your totals, especially in head-to-head leagues. You know, go out there and get someone better. Yeah, some people just don't pay attention to their pitcher sometimes, so me included. <laughs> oh, I was like, I was literally about to be like, dude, that's not an excuse, but you're just trying to make yourself feel better. I get it. <laughs> 
switching sides to the DFS side, um, some studs that I am targeting this week, well, maybe not me personally, but you guys should. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, we talked about, uh, depending on how much you want to spend on an outfielder, on a day like today, actually, looking at the FanDuel slate, I wouldn't have minded paying for him today, uh, but most days, no. Uh, you know, with a hitting streak like that, with um, the walks and things like that playing into it, he's going to be a stud. There's really no way around it. Um, one I'm avoiding in general, but I can see where the value is. I've just been burned too many times. I'm a little too emotional when it comes to fantasy. Um, the Astros batters in general, um, they face Tyler Wilson, Mike Wright, Matt Shoemaker, and Jared Weaver this week. No left-handed pitchers on the slate. Um, Evan Gaddis is going to go off as usual. Um, you know, Colby Rasmus and Luis Valbueno and Jason Castro are actually poised to do the best based on the matchups. Tyler White and even Tony Kemp could be really good values, despite us talking shit about Tyler White the last couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, anyone outside of Gaddis, I'm steering clear of. The, A's have burned me, or the Astros, excuse me, have burned me too many times. I just, it's not for me, but if you guys want to partake, I can understand why. Um, my Brewers, thankfully, face the Atlanta Braves and the Cincinnati Reds this week. Um, so, LaCroix, obviously, is like a must-start at this point. Like, you got to have him in your lineup at catcher if you're not playing Wellington Castillo. They're literally the only two pitchers or catchers I've played in the last, like, two weeks. Um, but VR, who we just talked about, and Chris Carter, sleepy. He's sneaky good. Uh, he's regressed a little bit, but he's still mashing at a really good rate. Um, if he's not hitting home runs, he's hitting doubles. He's put up good numbers, and he's really cheap almost every single day. So, I, you know, I'm really looking for him to have a good week. And then the Rangers. Another team that faces a ton of Angels this week, and then the Pirates, all at home. Um, no more Mazzara has really favorable matchups. And then my homeboy Prince Fielder, you know, we've we've really written him off as of late. You and me both on this show more than once. But I think he's supposed to have a nice week. Maybe not the home runs will be there, but um, certainly singles, doubles, good on base percentage, hopefully. Yeah, I like all these guys as plays this week, uh, especially the Brewers play, uh, especially when they play the Reds, because it just seems like the Brewers, when the Brewers and Reds get together, um, if the Brewers are sucking on offense, it's a good way for them to come out of their funk. Uh, so especially with the, the staff that the Reds are rolling out there here lately, uh, I definitely like the Brewers as well this week. Uh, Chris Carter is a very, very great, solid play week in, week out, day in, day out. Uh, like you said, yeah, he's regressing just a little bit, but I mean, he's he's doing what you've expected out of Chris Carter so far in the year. And if you draft a Chris Carter, what'd you draft him for? You draft him for home runs, for his power, uh, and he's producing that for for you so far this year. And I, you really can't complain. Uh, I agree with you one hundred percent there. No, you know, and even not from a fantasy perspective, like the Brewers really got more than they thought they were getting so far with Chris Carter. I mean, that's. I did nothing but bitch about that signing from the second and half. And being an A's fan, watching him with the Astros, um, I was like, no, thank you. But really, like, I, I, I have to applaud him. He's done well. I'm happy as a fan. My sorry-ass team has a guy that's playing halfway decently at first place. So, you know, it's the little things when your team is this bad. Um, speaking of bad, the Mets. <laughs> the Mets are so fucked this week, dude. Um, they have to face Gio Gonzalez, Steven Strasburg, Tanner Rourke, Alex Wood, Kenta Medea and uh, everybody's favorite pitcher, Clayton Kershaw. That is just like the roughest outing. Um, David Wright, Estrubal Cabrera, Neil Walker, uh, Curtis Granderson, you know, they're all 
they're all not going to do well. I'm steering very, very clear of them. Uh, the one exception might be Conforto. I mean, depending on his price in the outfield, you know, he's been an almost, an almost like Bryce Harper-esque have to play. Um, especially now with rumors that he's going to take up all of uh, his playing time at first base and be an everyday player. Uh, with dual position eligibility eventually, like, you know, I, I love Conforto in general. So he's somebody I might take a chance on this week, but no other Mets. Um, the Cardinals don't have it any better than the Mets. They have to face John Lackey, Jason Hamill, Jake Arrieta, Max Scherzer, um, Gio Gonzalez, and Steven Strasburg. So, um, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, Matt Holliday is an everyday play. Like, you should play him. And I'm like, okay, good for you. Not for me. But he's the only Cardinal you could even, like, let me – convince me to listen to your case for playing him. Um, the Rockies and the Cubs both have pretty tough matchups. Uh, the Rockies have three at home against San Francisco, though, so if you're feeling daring, maybe go there. Um, as far as the Cubs go, I'm fading all of them right now, except for Dexter Fowler, like we talked about earlier, just one of the best outfield plays right now. And then Jorge Soler, um, if he's going to continue to get playing time, uh, well, what's his face? Uh, Jason Hayward is hurt. Wow, total brain fart. Um, He's a really, really good play against St. Louis. It's it's slightly small sample size, but last year, or in his career, excuse me, against St. Louis, he's actually battling 328 with three home runs and eight RBIs. Um, he did really well when he came in for Hayward the other day. So maybe if you want to play him, I could see that. And then a dude we just talked about playing, like being a surefire, uh, now we're saying avoid Jake Lamb. Um, he's going to sit Tuesday and Wednesday against left-handed pitchers. Um, he struggles pretty hardcore at home. Uh, there's just really no point in spending on him against San Diego this weekend. There's going to be better third base options. You know, uh, avoiding all of those players are definitely the smart play, especially Jake Lamb. And it, it sucks to say that about Jake Lamb, but you know, the the Diamondbacks seem like they've got players to they can switch in and out. And it looks like you know Nick Ahmed and you know. Chris Owens and all these guys that are playing multiple positions, uh, they can afford for Jake Lamb to struggle a little bit, and uh, you're, you're seeing that, and so they're making adjustments. Um, well, folks, that's it for the Rally Third Podcast this week. Of course, it's your boy on Twitter, at Hootay, spelled with a U, not a no. And, of course, I got my co-host in the house, at Nick Slego on Twitter. Uh, this has been another edition on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network. Until next time, folks. We're out. Peace. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out socalledfantasyexperts.com for rankings, strategies, tips, DFS content, other podcasts, and more.